Welcome to the Pursue Podcast, where we today have the honor of having Duke alum Marcus Fjortoft with us. Marcus went on to be drafted to Seattle Sounders in 2018. He later went on to play professionally in New Zealand and signed for Hamilton in the top Scottish league. He's now currently playing for Green Rock Morton. Welcome to the podcast, Marcus. Thank you very much, and it's a, it's a pleasure to, uh, to join you guys for hopefully a lovely chat about college. Uh, yeah, about college, but also about all the other things you've been doing, because it's been uh, in in prepping for this uh, and talking to you. It's been yeah, you you have quite a journey, and we love to talk about journeys on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but co- if it wasn't for the college part, none of the other stuff would have been uh, would have happened, which is no. music to our ears. No, exactly. Listen, I owe I owe a whole lot to my college experience. I owe a lot to uh, a handful of people who 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 made it possible. I'm not going to make this sound like a, a Oscar thank you speech, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's been amazing. It was an amazing four years for me, and it really laid the groundwork for for how I was able to pursue a career post college. Yeah, and. It's we're talking Duke here. Duke is a, a very well-known school uh, across the world. Uh, super high-end academic. Uh, it's in North Carolina. Um, very famous for their sports programs too. You have the the, the basketball, uh, probably one of the, the most famous, and maybe the rivalry with with the University of North Carolina. You know, Michael Jordan territory, all of this stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll go more into that later. But let, let's rewind uh, to 2013, uh, when I guess your maybe idea of college started brewing. At this point, uh, you were playing for Badum, uh, just outside of Oslo. Um, uh, and you were part of a, a group, the, the 1994 group in, in Badum. Is That is a quite a f- well-known. It's like not the class of 93 for Man United, but it's uh, it's a very well... There's a lot of good players that have come out in that year in Badum. Uh, how was it to be part of that team? Listen, and I've looked back on this, and it's become more evidently clear for me looking back how... Uh, how special that group was because as you know and what's constantly harped on in football as well is is the fact that listen not a lot of people are going to make it and let's we can go on what defines making it later on but if you look at that group there are five six players that went on to you know and I deem listen I have I deem going to college gaining an education I have a, one of the friends who's at University of North North Florida has got his MBA from there. That is perhaps the biggest success story of them all. So it's pretty special to see how far we were able to take football. Um, and and when I look back at it, and I've had discussions with this because I'm kind of in, in a project trying to make a somewhat of a podcast about why 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 the group of us were able to you know make it make so much out of football. Um, and listen, we had. Barham is a great place for for youth development. At the time, we were one of the better better teams in the country. We had incredible coaches, um, but also more importantly, is that the inner drive and the inspiration we were able to give one another throughout the whole thing, I think, was incredibly important. If you're surrounded by like-minded, driven, 
motivated uh, individuals, then that ultimately have an effect on you. And I think that was just a great mix of, 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 of people in which we're able to really push one another in a very conducive environment where we could develop. So listen, it's, it's, it's incredible to look back at it and having discussed it with them um, over the last few months, um, I think it becomes pretty clear that uh, there was something really, really special we had going on. Yeah, because you mentioned there uh, one of your friends, Simon Sorstad. We helped him to University of North Florida, and I remember, um, and there were several other uh, players that went on to college from there and have done well in college and you know academically successful, you know, with their with their football or soccer successful, uh, and many players that also ended up just going straight to the professional ranks from from that team. Uh, but I I remember back in 2013 where me and Stu, this was early days, we went out, we brought a couple of coaches with us because they were recruiting some of our players and you were playing in the game and Simon Sorstad was playing in the game and I think Chris Wingate was playing in the game. He ended up at the University of New Hampshire. Um, but but they were, and, and your dad, and he's a very famous uh, guy in Norway. He's, he's done very well with the soccer. And he was, I remember Stu, in, in prepping for this episode, he was walking around being very social, talking to everybody and speaking to the coaches. And, and uh, But in that game, I think a lot of you know scholarship deals happened because of that game, at least for some of these guys. Maybe not for you because you went the year later, but um, uh, was that an inspiration for you that some of your friends decided to go? Did they push you or inspire you to do the same, or was your mindset at doing this before they had signed their scholarship agreements? I think I think my mind was set on it, but it certainly helps you be inspired when you see your friends uh, leaving the year before you are. Because I had decided that I did not want to go the year after high school because I I, I simply didn't feel I was ready. Um, and so to see them be part of that process, and I was constantly inquiring, how's this and how's that, and and wondering how it was, and it's it's exciting, you know, the thrill of of being recruited, of being offered a potential scholarship. Is, is is really cool and so to see them go on to do what they did you know obviously obviously inspired me but my mind was pretty set because of going because I asked myself listen what what do I want to make out of football because I, I love football soccer for that for that sake I love soccer and so I said How, what do I want to make out of it and I asked myself okay if I if I'm making a Norway Best case scenario, and this is for me. This is my personal preference. I just want to like. I said, if I'm making a Norway, what's what's the best case scenario? Okay, I'll play for. Okay, maybe I can play for Lillestrøm, which is my favorite club in Norway. Oh, I could play there. Career, okay, but I wasn't. Ex I wasn't necessarily that excited about the idea. And I was going through the ranks at Barum and stuff like that, and it was really cool, like you know, taking the ranks and going from from U16 to under 19 to then the first. Team. But I said, okay, mm, through word of mouth. I had friends. I had Emil Ekblom, who went to who went to Syracuse. Saw what he was doing. He'd gone a couple of years before, and um, and I saw what he did. And so through word of mouth and seeing what what the possibilities were there in America, I thought, wow, you can combine an education, you can perform at a high level. The facilities are incredible, and it's obviously a very social experience too. I said to integrate those three aspects in a college in, in a college environment. I said that sounds incredible, and so. That's what I really want to do. I want to combine education and 
soccer and what better place to do that than in in america and that's uh, and those are the three things that you know generally speaking why people want to do this and of course speaking to you and, and others former student athletes in this podcast is to show more the what is it what is it like to be a student athlete and not just like the yeah the scholarship the the sport and the, the education but it's to go a bit deeper into it uh but but and many you talk about not being ready yet and it is a big step to decide okay i'm moving away from my family going over to the states <laughs> it's far away and uh, regardless where you're from in the world it's the same thing and i think also for for americans you know to you probably played with some uh, california natives right and they traveled all the way across the country a uh, five-hour flight to to north carolina to play at duke so um to, to be ready for it is important uh, and it might take a some time to mature and just really be ready uh and you, you so you ended up doing a year at uh, a bi here uh in, in oslo a very good business school and you know looking at uh, the requirements to get into a school like duke to to add that to your academic cv and doing well from from a school like that probably helped you uh in in that process is my guess yeah no listen it's uh it's 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 hard to set yourself apart at duke and i listen i i volunteer now for the duke admissions in which i interview prospective students so they have all their applications sent in but they offer an interview with the potential applicants to in order for them to gather a more uh, personable um perspective of the client and i talk to these students and i am so impressed and i think to my, sometimes i think to myself how did I get into this school, right? <laughs> and obviously, being an athlete <laughs> helps and having good grades. There, there's a mix there that offers something that is different from these other students. But I talk to these potential applicants, you know, and they're such impressive individuals in terms of what they do, both at school, but also in extracurricular activities. So um, it was it was tough, but it's a way to set yourself apart going, I went to business school and I had a certain idea. And listen, there are many ways uh, intelligence comes by it, but obviously I had to have my grades in order. I remember going to Duke and having my admissions interview there and him going through my grades. And I was pretty happy with my transcript and grades. And there was one, like a one uh, grade of four in German. And that's the one thing we discussed. He said, so what happened in German here? I said, Jesus Christ. And so <laughs> I, a, a, I should have, should have paid more attention to, to the German lessons. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was the standard we that that was being kind of uh, benchmarked, but because yeah, a um, four, a letter grade four is a B, right? Yeah. And yeah. you can com- convert that to the U.S. system. That is a B, which that is not a bad grade, but they would no. ideally want you to get an A there, <laughs> you know? Exactly. But exactly. but that's interesting. So then you, of course, you've gone through the process of applying to a a top top uh, academic school in the world. If you look at all the rankings, they're up there. Uh, but then now you're also seeing what it takes, uh, to actually get in and what, what admissions look at. And we'd get a lot of questions about that from say parents that are wondering, Hey, my son, daughter, they, they're doing well in school, but how well do they need to do to be considered for a top school? But what, what do you have more <laughs> for, for those that have this question? Can you give a shed a little bit more light on what the admissions at a top school like Duke will look at? 
Absolutely. Now that I'm a self-designated admissions expert, I'll go into it a bit. But yeah. especially now over the last year, it's been, um, you know, I don't know how much they put weight on the, 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 the personal aspect. But I think I think it's an important factor because they will have when people apply to, say, a school like Duke, everyone will be academically brilliant. That's a given. Like that's that's almost what they expect. So then it's in terms of, okay, what have they done on the side? Um, what what type of person are they? Are they driven? And especially now over the last year, how have they dealt with hardship? How have they dealt with uh, COVID? And how has that has that hindered them? Or has that allowed them to relish with an environment of hardship and said, okay, you know what, despite that, I'm, um, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm finishing, pulling, pulling through on my projects or I'm, I'm doing extra stuff. And that's really what they wanted to know. They wanted to know the story in terms of how how they react to adversity, um, and then obviously what they can provide to the school, as opposed to okay, we know that Duke will provide you with this, and they have excellent resources and etc. But what can you bring as an individual to our school? And the answers there are pretty interesting in terms of you know it, in a, in, a, in such a high performance environment. Um, I think it requires a, a high degree of uh, introspection to know what you provide uh, as an individual to such an esteemed institution as, as, as Duke is. So just being authentic, you know, I think I think helps because a lot of people often maybe think that if they set up this front, that, that will help them. But I think, you know, <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to fail, fail as yourself in a way as well. Yeah, oh, it's. Uh, I mean, luckily, I, I didn't have to go through such a rigid application process. And Charles, when you started, you also took a gap year, right? And you, you, you were quite late out of the gates. We spoke about this before in previous episode, but where you came in maybe end of March, yep. and you wanted to go in five months, yep. uh, and uh, there, w- there was no big process it would have been too late if you wanted to go to school like duke to start then you need time for that this process they the admissions process will take longer um much more requirements but um maybe (laughs) it's there's there's many ways to rome if rome is the us there's there's a lot of different ways uh, there and Uh, but obviously i think the difference here is that uh, marcus comes from an environment in in byron where you know former um players at the club have went on to do well in college and there's sunshine stories from that right that and then that Marcus have heard about and a lot of his teammates are doing it and stuff like that but for me and I think for others as well it wasn't it wasn't a big thing the only one that I knew of was Marius Krata that went on to play and, and he was four or five years older than me but I think that's sort of the difference as well because if I had sort of known about it or had former teammates or, or friends that had done it, I think I would start it earlier. But I just figured it out working late night shift at Santander in at least Akir and, and decided, yeah, I want to travel in five months. Kim, get on it. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then I went much. up. Yeah. Uh, but it also, it, it works out, right? That, yeah, it uh, works out. Definitely. Uh, but it, it's, um, you, you're finishing up your, your studies at BI here in, in Oslo, getting your courses and getting working hard on your grades, right? They want to see that. And, uh, and you were recruited. But you had a special contact uh, that helped you with 
landing a school like Duke. It's like, well, if you want to go to college, why not try Duke or, or uh, another top academic school? But how did that come about, that you actually got this opportunity to come to Duke? Well, listen, my, my dad and I had, had, had a conversation and we thought, you know what, let's try and, and use our network to try and uh, see what possibilities are out there. And perhaps a bit naively looking back at it because of what the college application process and finding schools to begin with, what that entails, because it's a pretty, a pretty tedious process, practically, logistically, the whole lot. Um, but my father had played with a man named Robbie Musto at uh, Millsborough, who had been involved in the college system. I think he was at Boston University within the coaching staff there. And him and I had a conversation. This was just the preliminary phases. And, I asked, and he asked me, listen, what do you want from your college experience? I said, well, I would preferably like to stay at the East Coast because it's closer to home. It's just a, it's a time zone. Everything is just, you know, it doesn't really matter because it's a limit. you can only go home for the winter and or the Christmas holidays and summer anyway. But at the time, that was important for me. So that I said, um, I want to have a good uh, have a good education, but I also want to have a good um, a good soccer environment, too. I want it to be at a good level. And obviously there are, you know, <laughs> So, so oftentimes it will be one or the other, or maybe there are both, but not as high of a level, et cetera. But he said, listen, why don't we just start at the top? He said, I'll, I'll reach out to, to these people um, and, and, and see. And then he made a list and the list included, he said, okay, go Harvard, we'll go, um, we'll go Duke, we'll go UNC, we'll go University of Virginia, we'll go Wake Forest. I said, I, I never heard of, I've barely heard of these schools. Almost. You know, I'm <laughs> So new to the, I'm so new to the whole process. Heard about UNC, Michael Jordan, Duke. It's just there in the back of the mind. You've, yeah, I've heard it somewhere. And he said, listen, let's just start in the process. Um, let's go down the list. We, we reached out, blah, blah. Okay, okay. Oh, okay, they came back. They came back. Oh, they say, oh, you have to come for a, uh, for, a, uh, for a training camp, blah, blah, blah. Oh, they don't offer scholarship. Okay, that's them off the list. Okay, they didn't respond. And then as it turned out, uh, I got... Um, I think UNC, Wake Forest, and Duke came back, and then UNC kind of fiddled away, and then um, I ended up going on a visit, um, and then I went to Duke, and I went to Wake Forest, but then it only turned out that, that then really the only one with substantial interest was was Duke, and then followed a very <laughs> a very stressful process of trying to, you know, visiting, getting in, getting all the paperwork done, and then ultimately, because I was late to the process, you said that you were you 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 decided March. I decided at the end of the year. But in terms of, I'm so amazed by how early they recruit. So I was by far the last one. So in terms of you know the scholarship budget and whether I came in academically. And so ultimately, I put all my eggs in one basket when it came to it all. And it was kind of stressful, but thankfully it worked out. Yeah, amazing. And in all of that, you had to explain your German letter grade B. That's. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I went into that interview and I didn't either say, "Oh, you're just going to have a chat." And I didn't know what's an admissions interview. Like I'm so new to this, and so uh, I came in there. I said okay, but if I'd known at the moment, I would be, I would have been so nervous. But at the time, <laughs> yeah. I, it was this. And Duke has this very gothic architecture. It's a very historic. Uh, these historic buildings, and he, I come into this like very grand office, and he's standing across or sitting across from me and asking me these questions. What's your favorite time of history to have lived in? And I said, oh, I think. Italy during the Renaissance would be pretty cool. Like I'm just answering that, like like any other normal conversation. And then 
afterwards like yeah that was your college admissions interview i said oh my god but thanks <laughs> probably, enough, it worked out all right uh, probably very clever tactic by the coaching staff to not put too much emphasis on how important that that was uh, maybe maybe yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> exciting and to get the chance to visit as well is, is a nice thing not everybody will do that but i think that is a uh very clever thing to do if if possible uh to 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 see what you're getting yourself into and i mean the do campus when, when you get on there and you see what it's like it's hard not to want to attend that school uh, as well it helps it's them in their recruiting it's a beautiful school and it's so it, everything's so consistent in terms of in terms of the style and and, and there's they've put so much put so much resources into it at the day, it was a very rainy day at Duke, and I went to Duke, and I went to Wake Forest, and on a first impression, I thought Wake Forest's campus was was nicer because of, I don't know, it was, it was a sunny day versus Duke, it was rainy and stuff like that, but uh, when I went to school, like, and I compared everything else, Duke is the most incredible campus, um, and it's like almost, they, some people say it's a bit like Hogwarts, and that's kind of the feel you might get at times, too. Uh, it is definitely a Hogwarts feel. I've been there, uh, and it's um, gotten the Grand Tour, and it's uh, it's Hogwarts style, no, no doubt. Exactly. Minus the, minus the freshman dorms that you, were at, you, you saw, yeah. minus those. We'll go, yeah, because I I, I, <laughs> I I went to, uh, this is in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I went over... Uh, got a grand tour with uh, my good friend Mike Miller, who was the coach at the time, uh, and we we helped another player there, Torbjorn Alset. Uh, and you mentioned Emil Ekblom at Syracuse that I helped there, and I also helped his brother Evan Alset uh, to Syracuse, uh, and he ended up being drafted, and, and now he plays in, in in the top flight in Norway. But his brother Torbjorn. I helped him to Duke, so there was another Norwegian there while you were there as well. But and then I came to visit him because uh, I was in the area and I I saw his dorm room. And then I met your friend Karen from Scotland. Mm -hmm. You're in Scotland right now, that you're you're rooming with. So it's like it's a it's a it's a small world, quite a, quite a small world uh, with this. Uh, but it, but it is though with with Norwegians in 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 the college system, I would say. But I got the chance to check check out the campus and got the grand tour and i uh, the, the only minus was the freshman dorms i thought they were i, I would have envisioned those were like big houses with uh, uh almost like with the uh, you know they come and make your beds in the morning but uh, it was very much uh yeah you start here and then you can work your way up in the in the housing market at, at the, the duke campus exactly what's so nice also about duke and i think really added to the to the college environment or student environment is that you have to basically live on campus for three years. And so, and, and if you move off campus, it's pretty close to campus anyway. So for three years or two and a half, students have to live on campus. And so people are forced to be around one another. And so uh, that was what I valued a lot. And, you know, I've had my freshman dorm and then sophomore year, I went to the main campus and I lived straight off the chapel there and stuff. It just, it was a very, it was a very tight knit, uh, student environment, which which really added to the experience for me. So, Marcus, you've uh, played at uh, one of the better you know youth teams in in Norway for a while, and and then you suddenly are on the plane over to North Carolina to play college soccer. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how that how how it's different from from playing in 
in Norway coming to college soccer and the sort of the physical part of playing college soccer? Yeah, I think I think what first struck me is is the intensity of it, and with that I mean, in Norway I think there is, especially through youth youth teams, there is this idea of, of keeping the ball and and there is it's more possession oriented. There is an idea, and especially from Barum where I came from, it was it was a huge large emphasis on that. And I think I play my first um, preseason game against Old Dominion, and um, a good team. And very humid, of course, which adds to it. And I remember, and I played a half because we just split up the teams. And I played first half, and um, I've never been more tired after a first half ever in football. And it was it was an intensity of it because it was just back and forth, back and forth. And you know, and I think what sets college soccer apart is there is a, there is a huge emphasis on athleticism too you know there are strong individual strong players but also very fast players and, and here i come as a, as a six foot three norwegian um and i i add another maybe uh five five six seven kilos later on but i'm still i'm still one of the bigger guys but i'm still you know playing at an intensity that i'm not used to because it's entirely different and and often i think people think and that's Listen, even on the higher level, when people go to another league, say uh, to the Premier League, whatever, it for all players involved, it takes a lot. It takes a bit of time to adapt to a new league. I thought, oh, wait, football is football. This is the first time I played properly outside in another country. And I thought, you know what, football is football. I'll be, I'll, I'll be fine. Like, I'll apply myself just like I have in Norway. But it takes time to find that, to find your footing. And it took me actually a while to do that. And, and I, I remember calling my dad and even using one of the, the sports psychologists that were that were made available for us, and I said, "Listen, I can't find my, I can't find my, I can't find like markets. Like I, I'm struggling to find my footing here. Maybe I was playing a bit with a bit of stress or, you know, and nerves. But it took me a while. But after maybe one and a half months, then I started to feel okay. Now myself. Now okay. Now I'm starting to show what I could do because you know you should avoid those thoughts of." Oh, but I owe these coaches this. They gave me the scholarship, but those thoughts inevitably they do they do hit you, and you need to rid yourself of that and find find your own rhythm. And thankfully, that that I found that. But in the in the beginning, I'll admit it was it was tough for me to adapt because I thought football is football. But no, when you go to a different country, there's there's a way of doing things. You need to find yourself settled both on and off the field. And and thankfully that worked out. But in the beginning, I'll, I'll admit it was it was tough for me. You have to to uh, to do well on the field. You have to be happy off the field, and that's that transition into yeah. The style is different on how the, how it's played. You have brand new teammates, uh, a new coach. Get the you have to takes a bit of time to see the philosophy and how we're supposed to play. That would differ uh, for anyone when you come to a new team. Uh, but how was that like the cultural part of it? Where getting into the group. Uh, the language, um, you know, North Carolina versus Europe, very different. Uh, but but how, how did you come in in the group there? For me, that went that went very well. I thought, you know, moving from from one country to another, let alone another continent, um, I thought that would maybe perhaps be an issue. But I found myself integrating the group pretty fast. I think maybe it helps that, um, you know. I'm born in England. I'm, I've lived in Germany. I've been part of an international school environment for a very long time. So, 
it's it's an environment environment I I relished in, and I was very much ready to embrace it. So so that helped. Um, in terms of purely transitionally speaking, I think the toughest thing was was the academics to, to get used to the, the the academic rigor. That was tough for me finding the balance because, you know, you are you are not you are an athlete, but you're also a student, and so you know you're you're reading these papers and you're trying to be so. Uh, obedient and doing all the all the necessary readings and you're trying to do that and then you're trying to figure out oh but then I'm also being part of a group and I'm trying to perform well and stuff like that but I think what football is a great example of is is if you're put in an environment like that you are part of a team immediately and so you make your you you make your friends pretty quick you're you're thrown into an environment which is conducive to making relationships and you know that's maybe perhaps tougher if you go alone and you are, um, and you are maybe just purely going to the academics and whatnot. You have to, you have to seek those um, social environments yourself. But, for, but that's what's the beauty of it. Think of soccer is, it allows you to be part of a team and form relationships that way. And that, and that really gave me a, a good start to my environment because, or to my college experience, because then every you can figure out the rest after. And you. You must have hit your, the ground running fairly fast. You talk about the first maybe six weeks, month and a half, but your first year at Duke was outstanding for a freshman. You know, I mean, you you were a freshman there, but you you, you transferred in with some credits. So in theory, you were a sophomore, but you, you were a freshman uh, with with some credits. Uh, but you you ended up getting awards, uh, MVP, uh, I think rookie of the year. Maybe was the what you got in your your first season. So that that is one Americans love to let people know who's doing well, which is uh, maybe different from what you were used to. But it also must be a good feel good for you to say, okay, well I've done something right here. Absolutely. And, and listen, and on, t- on the topic of Americans, like, I think that's an incredible thing, part of the culture. And people might say, oh, that's sometimes American culture is a bit superficial when they say, oh, good for you, when they hype you up and stuff like that. I'm like, I'd rather prefer that, to be honest. And we can <laughs> we can talk about the Norwegian experience where it's a bit more modest, perhaps. Um, but it's kind of refreshing to go into then in, in an American environment where there is that emphasis, oh, good for you, you know, and and, and, and hyping you up. And and they're they're they are unapologetic about that. And and it was nice for me to, to end the year like that. Obviously, Duke had made a tournament when we didn't make it the fresh that year. We didn't really actually make it until my senior year. Um, but it felt good to get those to get those acknowledgements, because, like I said, having started the season, it was it was tough for me in terms of um, in terms of the mental aspect. But the coaches kept their faith in me and I, I played every game. So that's what really helped me through it. I just had to play games and, and gain that experience and that worked out itself in the end. It's always nice to to have a, end up with a good season and, and the team progressed as you were there, as you got older too, uh, into back to where they're supposed to be, uh, a team that can go deep into the national tournaments. But the ACC, Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, it's a well-known conference. It's probably the best one for soccer. There's so many good teams on that list. You set up with the Middlesbrough legend Robbie Musto, and I mean he's in the U.S. Uh, commentating. I think uh, as a pundit in in the on TV there. Uh, but a lot of those teams you talked about Virginia, you talked about Wake Forest. Um, 
these teams are are those were became your opponents uh, in the ACC. What is the what is so special about ACC in your eyes, having played there? I mean, it's an ex- incredibly competitive environment, um, and you they often then, like you say, because they are the strongest conference, they attract the best players, and so that's pretty special because you have so many good teams within one conference, and that's what I knew as well is. I came over to to gain that experience and then I knew I was testing myself against some of the best teams in the college environment. And and listen, that, that's some quality, quality players, you know, from all over the world coming, including from America. So that was an incredible experience for me. Freshman year, we played UNC. Um, and that's probably one of the one of the memories that really stick to mind is we played UNC and they were number one ranked in the country at the time. And we played them and we beat them 2-1. And um I think for some reason there was this incredible interest around the game and the stadium was filled up. I think it was three, 4,000 at the game and, and UNC had an entire, um, an entire section on, on the, on the long side of the stadium filled up as well. And we were down one nil and then, and then we won two, one. And that was, that, that was the most incredible experience because it was just that that's the experience I went there for. And um, I don't think I'd have played for that many. I don't think I've ever played for that many, in my entire college time. So we won and we had um, Sean Davis, who's captain at New York Red Bulls now. He was our captain then, and he had the most incredible game. But also, it was my freshman class. I think six or seven of us started. So doing that as part of a, of a class together was, was also incredible. So um, a, lot of, of a lot of great memories, but that one, that one there when we beat the number one uh, UNC was, is one of my favorite memories from my time in Duke. The, the Duke-UNC rivalry, that is one of the absolute biggest ones in, in college. You talk about soccer here, but if you look at basketball, you know, Coach K, he's the legendary mm-hmm. basketball coach uh, at Duke, and he led the dream team in the Olympics for the U.S., So and he's, he's walking around campus uh, um, being in that environment. Uh, uh, but, but UNC is, how, how far away is it, like 20 minutes? Yeah, if... If if twenty minutes, but yeah, in around that, yeah. Uh, so and then here we have two amazing academic institutions, and all of them with great sports programs, uh, going at it every year. Uh, every when those derby games come up, regardless of sport, it's it's a uh, probably electric atmosphere on campus, especially when you win those. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I and and it was just felt throughout the whole campus, and obviously with <laughs> mentioning Coach K, you had the basketball program, and. What you got to remember is I come into Duke and I, I was I talked a bit about my kind of naivety or lack of knowledge of the whole of Duke and the whole college experience. I knew that Duke was an esteemed school, but I didn't really know much else. So with if when people come to say a school like Duke, they have certain preconceptions of what what the school is or what experience you're seeing. I was like, oh, Duke's a good school. That's all I knew. So I came into that experience like as a blank page. So all these things that they said about Duke, I it kind of had to prove itself to me. And that's what it really did. I came in and I thought, and I found the Duke experience to be what people said it was, but I didn't know that at the time. And so Duke UNC is one important part of it and the, the basketball program, because I think sports is so important to bring about a, 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 a student spirit or a school spirit. And that's what Duke the Duke basketball program probably because you were camping outside for games. You were, um, you were in line, you were, you had the student section in this tiny little basketball hall that the school doesn't want to get rid of because they know that they can expand it and tear it down and expand it to 25, 30,000. 
but they keep it at like eight, 9,000 because that's part of the magic of the Duke basketball experience. And so I've had some incredible experiences, you know, when Duke basketball have played UNC and we've won and you, they burn the benches on the court. That's tradition. And there's a big fire going on and everyone's, everyone's just going crazy. And that's, I mean, that that's part of the school experience that I really, really treasured and really added to the overall student experience. Uh, it is incredible because Duke, like you say, they could build a stadium that would take three times as many people and it would sell out every single time. Exactly. Because when I got the grand tour from from Coach Miller, and when he he was saying, yeah, I can probably get you tickets to uh, to a game, and I said, really? Uh, and like, yeah, I might be able to pull some strings to get a, some tickets to to. It was not the rival game, but still, just to get tickets is like gold dust. Uh, yeah. To, to, because I came into the arena and it's such a classy and beautiful stadium, but it's small compared to what you you would think that a school like Duke would have. But it's it just adds to the whole experience. To and I actually <laughs> I had left town that day they were playing, so I couldn't accept uh, the generous offer of getting tickets uh, to that game. Okay. So I've never seen the actual game, but. <laughs> Which is, uh, I'll have to come back for that. Um, You'll have to recruit some Norwe- Nor- more Norwegians to uh, yeah. to, uh, to to do that. Yeah, we're we're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's um, yeah, those things are part of, and no nobody here would know that. You know, you're coming from uh, internationally into the U.S. to study, and it's impossible for us to understand the traditions. Uh, you can read up on stuff, but it also you, you just have to experience it yourself. Uh, exactly. And it, it's, I think it's, and, and many schools have this. It doesn't have to be a Duke, uh, a, a world famous school like Duke. At at my school, there were different traditions that we had, and it is like that many places. So, um, part part of There's the so experience. It's so much. You're going so much into the unknown, but that's part of the thrill, and that's what I always liked yeah. and what I pursued after college too. It's all unknown, so you're just figuring it out as you go. And I think you know, for for you, for you as well, you're just you're just figuring it out and, and, and getting to know the school traditions. And after you know, after you're done, you you look back and and, and it's it's a part of it's it's a part of who you are. No doubt, it's an adventure. It's an unwritten adventure that you sort of make out yourself along the exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. But how? You, we won't go into every single season, but it ended up that you you logged so many minutes uh, playing an incredible amount of games in your four years at Duke. And you, since you had done a year of university studies in Norway, you came over and you got a lot of credits for those classes you'd done there. So you you could you actually managed to finish up your bachelor's degree in three years at Duke uh, instead yeah. of the normal four years because you got that you had that year you brought with you from Norway pretty much. And so you could start your master's at Duke as well. Uh, which is that's nice. <laughs> An undergrad from Duke and then continue with a master's from a school like Duke. Uh, very very cool. Um, but you you talked about you know, from being a young freshman into to to becoming a part of a team that was qualified for nationals and and did well in your senior year, and and the senior year is important for for the team to do well because that's also when you finish and you had the pro ambitions uh, and you were when you deliver in the ACC, 
you can also play professionally. That that's typically it, it's very good stepping stone for that. But to- talk us through your your final fall season uh, with Duke. Yeah, no, that was like you said, it was it was special and it was also very important for me. Um, as, as as well as you can perform during freshman, sophomore, junior year, the fact remained we hadn't made the tournament. And if you don't make the tournament, if you don't go for a long run, they'll look at the. You know, I, I noticed that when you were, it was award season or team of the season or stuff like that. There was no, there was no teams that were making the tournament or, or doing well in the ACC in it. So I could do as well as I wanted to, but I needed to make, go far. And so going into that senior year, that was, we were a big class when we came in as a freshman. And, um, and, and so we were a big senior class and listen, there are things you can improve. Like we've talked about keeping a balance. Uh, between academics, between the sports, between social. Listen, during the season, you cannot satisfy all three. It's impossible. It's impossible. So you have to you have to give up on certain aspects. I said that during that fall season, I said football, football and academics. Social, social will have to come in the spring or whenever after. And so, the 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 coaches formed a leadership group, five of us. Um, five of us seniors, uh, what helped is that a lot of us were playing, you know, as college progresses, we were 12 or 13 freshmen. Then for that year, seven or eight maybe remained. Um, and then five of us maybe started and, 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 and really prioritized it. And we formed a leadership group. We said, we're not going out this season. We're not, no, no alcohol, no going to the bars, no going to clubs. We're staying in because we are making this season properly we 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 need to catch up with the rest of the teams and they say yeah but the other teams do it i said yeah but they can afford it because they made the tournament we need to do something differently i said so we decided on doing that what ended up happening is i had to throw we we had to throw off like two of our teammates off the team after giving them several warnings and these were good friends of ours to set an example and say you're off the team you cannot because it's not in line with how we want to do so we really sacrificed a lot going that senior season we had myself we had Brian White, who's now at New York Red Bulls, a good friend of mine. Um, Carter Manley, who, who he also got drafted that same year. So we had a good group going on. And um, and what ended up happening is that we reaped the rewards. We did we did really well. We we were fifth ranked in the country. And um, even though we didn't go far in the ACC tournament, we made the NCAA tournament and made it the last 16, where we heartbreakingly lost Um on penalties after having led to one until the very last minute in, in, in regular time. So that one still, that one still hurts because we would have met UNC in the, la, in the, in the final eight or elite eight. Um, and we should have won. Um, but it was a good season individually and collectively. And I noticed that in terms of, you know, reward awards we got at the end of the season um, and the ranking, you're automatically, uh, you're automatically more, you're given more attention to, yeah. and that's what happened then. And so, then I came in going into that endless draft with a bit of with a bit of momentum. Yeah, that's good because you the spotlight uh, is of course on the teams that do well, and uh, you were a team captain at Duke and anchoring the defense for uh, you know the center back, the big long haired center back exactly. Viking. Uh, so you, you get attention from your performances, uh, and then it's MLS draft time. Which is always an exciting time. It's in January. It's after your after the semester is done. There's um, a lot going on in the background there. Uh, uh, and and on draft day, w- what were your expectations? 
Well, I went in, I actually, so I was like, okay, I would do this. So I had an agent, he reached out, you know how it is. And he said, oh, he's going to help me, blah, blah. So he was like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, because it's part, people need to push you into it as well. It's part that, but also your own performance. So I went actually to a, an, an, an unofficial um, combine in Las Vegas in December before I went home, uh, did that. Uh, and then I went, and then I got to the, to the combine in Orlando early January um, played three games, um, and I thought I did all right. I think I think I, I think I, I was able to show the player I was. I came in with a lot of confidence, um, and so I didn't really know what to expect. But during the call, during the combine process, teams will invite you into the. It's it's kind of weird um, because they invite you to their rooms to say, "Hey, listen, we would like to have a meeting with you." And the meetings may might vary, but you hear like, "Oh, so that certain player got invited to that guy's hotel room." This sounds really creepy at yeah. the sound of it, but it's with the whole. It's just team. a it's a meeting, whole, yeah. It's like an so inter- it's like your admissions interview only for MLS. Exactly, and it varied. And so I remember I had a, and they gave me the goal at least, so that gave me maybe a bit of attention. But um, I was invited then into by Real Salt Lake and um, Seattle Sounders. It varied. Seattle Sounders. It was just with the head coach and uh, one more coach. Real Salt Lake. It was. Uh, they had a camera on and eight people standing in these high bar stools around. And I said, oh, my God, like, how formal is this? And as it's funny because on the podcast I have, I had the CEO of Barnsley now who was in the championship. And when I said, I said, and he and I said, I don't know if you remember this, but you were in the room when I was with talking to Real Salt Lake because he was technical director at the time. He said, yeah, yeah I remember you. He's a long haired center back in the back. I said, yeah, that's great. And anyway, I had those chats and. I said, okay, let's see what I, what happens. Um, the, the draft was in Philadelphia, and um, and I thought, you know what? There's no point me going. I have my, I'm in the middle of my masters anyway, so I need to figure this out. But it would be cool if I'm drafted. So I attended, as usual, I attended one of my classes in the business school. I had my finance class, and I had my phone in front of me, and I was just looking at the draft. And then they're going through round one, and I wasn't expecting round one. I said, oh, maybe round two because the first two rounds are. Are done live and the three and four are done like uh, after, and so um, the I think the last, second to last pick, forty um, fifth pick, um, Seattle Sounders came up and they said we drafted Marcus Fiertov and I was in class and I was like oh shit and I just <laughs> ran out of class and I said oh my god and I was like and I called my dad and I said oh did you see this and I was happy very happy for about thirty seconds but then it went through my mind I said oh, how do I how do I figure this out like I have school I'm gonna be able, I'm gonna have to I'm going to go train with him. I'm going to figure that out. And then that all ensued. But in the moment, it was good because that's a goal I had. I had a goal going into college. I said, how cool would it be if I was drafted? And I was drafted second round in Seattle Sounders' second pick. And that was a great uh, affirmation of, 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 of how I'd perform and, and the player I was. So I was very proud of that. Yeah, you should be proud of that. Not many get their name called up. And I would say not many sit in finance class while their name is being uh, read uh, on ESPN. Uh, that, yeah, no. we select Marcus Fjortov from Duke University. Uh, yeah, that, that is uh, <laughs> uh, one of, I mean, there's several funny stories with uh, where people are when they get drafted, but this one is, uh, it shows you, you take care of your academics. Yeah. And when you're at a school like Duke, yeah, that's, that's a good testament that that's, that, that's required. 
sort yeah, of... it was it was an expectation, dude. But uh, yeah, it was it was very funny at the time. And then I told my professor, and she thought it was very cool and stuff like that. Uh, did you raise your hand? You didn't raise your hand, professor. I just got drafted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I just ran out and I said I apologize for running out, but this, you see, I got drafted. That's interesting. Awesome. But then for you for your bachelor's graduation. Uh, you know that is a big, big moment. Uh, regardless which school you're at, and uh, not just for you, but for your family. Did you get uh, your family come over and 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 see you walk the walk and and get that uh, diploma, the the cap and gown? Yeah, absolutely. And what's funny is my sister went to uh, she went to University of San Diego, and she graduated actually in May. But unfortunately, because of COVID, she wasn't able to do it. And I always make fun of her because I've had two. So I in 2017, I came in 2014, 2017, I got my bachelor's degree, but it wasn't really with my class. So it didn't, but I still did the whole graduation weekend, which is a lot of fun. And I went down and I got my blah, blah. But then I did it the year after also, because then I got my master's degree and then it was with my whole class. So my mom and my dad came the first time. And then my mom and my sister came the other. And you're just from Thursday to Sunday, you have all the kind of fun after that. But then through Thursday to Sunday, you're going through all the process and you're just celebrating away uh, the, the end of college. And so I was able to get two, actually. So it was uh, double, double the trouble, double the fun. All right. So master's degree, finance class, being drafted, change of plans. Because you need to, <laughs> you're going on preseason with Seattle Sounders, uh, mm-hmm. going to California, going to Arizona. How did you juggle? I mean, it was a, it was a pleasant, maybe a surprise, or it was a great thing to be drafted. But you have to change, because you were you were still in school at this point. Yeah, and I and I knew that when I applied for my masters, I knew that that might be a, a, a predicament. But I said, okay, let me let's let's take that when that time comes, and and <laughs> then it inevitably happened. And so talked to the school, had a dialogue, and I was a bit stressed because being away from the group like I was, or being away from school in a in a pretty intensive one year um, period, you know, it requires you know I'd have to go off then to 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 to, to preseason camps in San Diego. And, and then Arizona, but I'd go to San Diego and, or I go to Seattle. Then we flew to San Diego, uh, San Diego and I bring my schoolwork there. And I said, okay, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in San Diego now for seven to 10 or seven to 10 days. Um, and then I finished training there. And then I said to Seattle, I said, okay, now I have to go back to school. So they're like, okay, well, we're going to go to Seattle, be back in Seattle for like five days. I said, cool. I'll be back in school for, 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 for a week. And I had my, um, I had my group because it's very team based, um, the school, the, 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 the masters. And, and then I did a week and then I went to Arizona and, uh, and as uh, how random it is, I was there for, for, for seven, for seven to 10 days again, I think doing school work. And then Seattle signed Ikram, who's, who's now a captain Molda, And we ended up being roommates there and we were training there and, um, and it was Super Bowl, I think, during that time too. And Galaxy were there. So Ula Kamara and Shelby, they were also there. So they're like, okay, let's, okay, you want to just go and watch the, Akram's like, okay, we're going to watch the Super Bowl in that room. And I'm like, okay. So we were just 
cracking some coronas watching the Super Bowl in the, in the hotel room as, as four Norwegians. I'm like, what, what is going on here? Like, what is life? And so <laughs> yeah. I did that. We were there for like seven to ten days. Um, and then uh, and then it came to its inevitable conclusion, almost a combination of, listen, there's uh, I came in as a foreigner. It's tough. I have to occupy one of the foreign spots as it looked. They were going to sign another center back. I would have been fourth choice center back, fifth choice, who knows. Um, and so it was tough. Like they had one or two spots left and and it kind of it kind of fizzled out. There was almost an, an acknowledgement from both sides that uh, it came to an end almost. And um, looking back, it was all right because I saw I saw Eichem, he got released six months later and he'd been the best player I've ever trained with. I thought he was so good. And I said, wow, like even him, and he was struggling with injuries and stuff like that. But still, I was thinking, you know, even him, he's getting released. And I was thinking, what if I, best case scenario, had signed for, for, for Sounders and, um, and, and stayed on. And then I got released six months later and I'd have to go back for my master's a year later and the impracticalities that entailed. So I went back to school. I stayed fit. I had, Duke has incredible facilities. I trained a bit with uh, North Carolina FC in the USL twice a week just to stay fit. And I also got to have a proper college experience as actually just at the time then a student, because that's what it was. And so, you know, at the end of it, at the end of it, it worked out all right. And I think, um, I think it, I, I, I'm grateful for the way things developed. Yeah. It's uh, challenging, of course, for the foreign players to, uh, to get the contracts. Because you were at the time in Seattle Sounders, they have many full national team player internationals in their roster, and that that's who you're competing against. To if you were an American, there's no cap pair, so you, then it would have probably been a, a shoe in for you. But we're, you're fighting a little bit that you're they, they have this these other pieces of the puzzle uh, that affects you, but you know you you can't really plan for that. So no. Listen, but, maybe I should have performed better. Maybe you know that's what it comes. I'll. That's but that's football. That's how it is. And yeah. I've been around the football environment since I was born because of my dad. So I know I know the nature of things too. Oh, exactly. It, it's. Uh, uh, but but your name was pulled out of the hat, and it it opened up some doors despite not signing for Seattle Sounders. But you you finished your masters, great achievement as well. And now you're free to do what, whatever you want to do. Uh, and you end up on another continent. Yeah, for me, it was, it was a similar conversation I had as, with myself and, and, my, and my parents as I had before I went to college. I said, what do I, what do I want my career to be, look like? And so after, after college, I, I spent a little time in Kansas, actually, where my girlfriend's from. And I was there for a bit and I was training. And then I'm like, okay, now I have to figure something out. So... I went to Millsborough, actually, under 23, and I trained with them for a couple of weeks uh, or two, three weeks. And, and listen, this is football. And then I said, oh, now you can have a trial with this German team in, in, in this German team in this, this fight, the Bundesliga. And I was there and I was there for two days. I played a game, one training. I said, no, you're not what we're looking for. I said, OK. I went back to Millsborough, trained there for a bit. And then I had a, a trial and then say, oh, you want you want game time? Listen, there is this uh, conference club that's fifth level in England. They're doing a um, they're doing like this uh, this bounce game. If you want it there and you can prove yourself there. I said, OK, I haven't played in a while. I'll play that game. They said, OK, you can come back like we'd love to see you. And 
I'd been in the process of looking at New Zealand and stuff at that point or other opportunities. And I decided after that, I said, and then again, I asked myself, what's best case scenario here for me that I end up playing for this? No disrespect, but like for me, this was my preference. I said, for me playing for this conference club, I don't want that. So I said, how do I want to live my life? Live my life? And I was able to then use football to live the life I wanted to live. And so I was able to say, oh, wow, New Zealand, a cool setup, an Irish coach. He was super professional, super thorough. He's like, listen, we don't have much to offer, but we'll offer you, uh, we'll offer you, by the sounds of it, I have a lot to offer, but we'll offer you house, we'll offer you car, and then you'll be working with them. You can choose what role you want to work with in the club. You can work media, marketing. I said, perfect. Again, as college, I can combine something. So I said, okay, then I'm, then I can be work a little media and marketing with the club and the and their federation, and then I can also play football there. What another great combo! And I can also educate myself at the same time. And that's what happened. And I'm, and I made some friends for life there as well, and it was an incredible experience. Oh, I have to say that you know, taking that leap and, and traveling to New Zealand, you have a very mature way of thinking, uh, Marcus. Actually. Uh, looking beyond that, oh, yeah, maybe if I'll do well here, I can get signed by a championship club in England or whatever. But I think you have a very mature way of thinking and, and, and doing the research sure. that you've, um, you've done as well. And then suddenly you find yourself in, in New Zealand uh, working and, and playing professionally there. How, how is that for... Have you been, sort of been the only Norwegian ever to play in, in in the top division in New Zealand? I think maybe there's been two, and that was me, and then it was Chris Wingate, who I recommended to the club, and who who asked me about it also after, and he said, "Listen, what what's up with this club?" And I said, "Listen, if you want six seven months to live in an entirely different place of the world, then do it. Like, what's it going to cost you?" And that's what I exactly what I thought. I said, "It's not like I'm committing to a three year contract here." I said. Oh, the season's from September to March. I can live in New Zealand uh, <laughs> during that time. And what if I don't like it, so be it. But then I've tried it. And that's kind of been my mindset the whole time. And I didn't know much about New Zealand. I just knew it was a small little neighbor of Australia. No disrespect to any Kiwis, but that's all I knew. And so I said, okay, let me just try it. And that's what I did. And and, and football was mixed because, <laughs> because of different things. But I had an incredible, incredible experience. There was a huge Irish base of players there, a few English people, and um, and I didn't expect to make the relationships I did, especially after college. But that's what I did, and it was another way for me to add to my to my to my experience. It was it was another it was now I can call New Zealand home as well. And I thought for me that's of the greatest inspiration. Just like I'm in Scotland too, I'm like oh that Scotland's been home, and then I've kind of had an imprint on all these different places of the world, and that's almost part of. Uh, that's that's for me part of the pleasure of, of, of doing all this. Just the whole just the process of living there and, and looking back. Yeah, you have an explorer's mindset. I love it. Yeah. It's inspiring. Uh, it really is. And now is the time to do it. You're still young, uh, relatively speaking. So relatively you, you just speaking, yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, we are we are still young, all of us. Here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Why, why not? I mean, you're not settled down yet. You. It's the time to experience and uh, maybe somewhat more difficult at the moment. That hopefully will <laughs> will uh, be more normal again where people can travel and, and explore a bit more. But uh, Also, and going off that, just say people who do the college education, you allow yourself that freedom to do it. Because it's not that I have to do this. It's because I want to do this. So, and 
because I've had that education, I've kind of afforded myself that freedom to do that for a, for a bit of time. And then it's up to me when I say enough's enough. But I feel like I've afforded myself that freedom to pursue something I feel very passionate about right now. Yeah. And you should. Yeah, that's a very, we, we very good way to put it. it. But you then, you've been in New Zealand. I mean, clearly Lord of the Rings must have inspired yeah. you to think New Zealand. And I think anyone who's seen those movies just think, ah, that is on the bucket list to go there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful country. And it's similar, Norway, uh, New Zealand, Scotland, they all have a bit of similar. If Scotland had sun every once in a while, that would help. But still, it's all very, uh, it's the similar kind of, uh, the similar scenery. And so they're all very beautiful countries to have been in. I, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to travel through football, but also just in general in my in my time off around New Zealand. And it's it's a beautiful country and such a laid back culture as well, which I, which I really dig. Yeah. But then you you move. It's time to continue your soccer career, and now you're uh, you're a good player. You end up hey Scotland and Scottish Premier League. Uh, it's not a. This is a good league. It's, a very good uh, league. This is proper proper football again here. Absolutely, it was. It was weird because after college, I've always been realistic in the sense that when I was at college, I said, oh, that would be cool if I was drafted. And I said, oh, he'll take when it comes. And my dad will even tell you that he almost, he came over once and thought like, okay, I'll have a conversation with Marcus. And I'll say, hey, listen, what are you thinking now after college? And I said, I said, plainly, I said, I'm giving this a go. Like, I'm, and my dad's always been very supportive, but, you know, it was getting close to the end of college and stuff like that. And I said, no, no, I want, I, I'm, I'm giving this a go. And, and, and so he didn't really chime in with anything. He was like, oh, okay, okay, go for it type of thing. And so I gave myself two years after college too. And I said, let's see where this ends up. And I'll give myself two years because then I've given it a go a bit. So the spring or the, the step from New Zealand to Scotland is obviously a very significant one. Thankfully enough, as faith or whatever might have it, um, I played with, we mentioned that earlier in the podcast, with, with Kieran McKenna, who was, who was a... It was a Scot, and he'd he'd uh, graduated after three and a half years and signed with Falkirk in the Scottish Championship. And I looked at it and I said, and he was, and I said, oh, he's playing Scottish Championship. And then I asked myself, why can't I do that? Why can't I try that? Or I know the level I have, you know, I I, I I'm able to 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 show. And so I reached out to his dad, who is an agent as well on the side while running his own business. Very, very good guy. And I said, hey, listen, I want to be interested to try, like, Scotland. is there anything you could help me out with? And he said, listen, he comes back and he said, I've, I've, I've gotten you a three-week trial with Hamilton. They said they guarantee you three weeks so you can show yourself with Hamilton. I never heard about Hamilton, but they're in the premiership. I said, wow, that's brilliant. So after after New Zealand, I uh, went home for Norway for a week. And then I went to, to, to Scotland and I went on a three-week trial. And uh, as it turned out, I, I got offered a, a contract and for the for the next season. Um, and it was such a big step, but it was like, wow, now now I'm in the, like, you know, that was now is now is part of the real deal. Like you said, this was this is this is part of this was British football. And I'd grown up in England. I'd always wanted to be a part of that. And now I had the opportunity to do so. And um, yeah, it was that was incredible because then I felt like that was the first time I properly felt like I was a I was a professional football player because I was now was now I was in Scotland. I was in the UK playing professionally. Yeah, but this they play in the top division. You play against Celtic. You play against Rangers. I mean, those are the standout clubs for most in, in Scotland. But there's a lot of good good clubs there. But 
uh, it is quite a step up to to come into a, a top division in any country, uh, and especially in Scotland, where it's you know the, the soccer or the football. We shouldn't say soccer will be. No, oh, they'll look badly at us yeah. for saying that. But the, the football is so incredibly important in that culture. Mm-hmm. Listen, it was a big, and uh, you know. Another theme, right? Reoccurring theme is transitioning to another football culture and another country, similar to when I was at Duke, getting used to that. But now it's an even bigger level up. It's a new culture. It's a new way of playing. And it's almost funny because the way football is played here, it's, it's, it fulfills almost every stereotype because it's so physical and uh, it's all about percentage balls, it's balls in the channel, balls in and around, big headers, you know. And I come in as a, as a, as a six foot four. Uh, 210 pound defender, they're expecting, you know, just be nasty. Like, that's your job, right? And so I, I had to get used to that. And that was an extremely steep learning curve for me, um, getting used to that because it, it was a step up. It was a different way of playing football. And listen, I got a fair amount of, I got, you know, it was, went up and down my first year, no doubt. Um, but I still was able to, I started against Celtic at home. I started against Rangers away. I played, I made my debut from start at Hearts away at Tynecastle, 15,000, probably my favorite stadium to play against. The stadiums are like, it's so, they're on top of you. And I remember going out then because I'd made my debut the first league game. Kieran, who started, <laughs> got injured after 15 minutes. I came in and I thought, well, at least my headers, that's what I've got going for myself. And then I meet the best header of the ball in the league and I, and I couldn't get a hold of him. And I'm like, oh my God, like, how 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 am I supposed to deal with this? And so it was all new to me. And I went out to Hearts, and I remember the first. You know, it's, it's seldom in life when you get exposed to something that is entirely new to you. But I was going in there, and like I said earlier, I played against in front of three thousand Duke and C. That was the most I played against. And then I went up and played Hearts away at Tynecastle, fifteen thousand, and the atmosphere and everything was just so intense and i remember for the first five minutes i was so nervous i was i, I didn't know what to do because it was so it was so new to me my body didn't know how to respond and then after a while and then you play rangers a month or two later you're playing for about fifty-five thousand, and then but then you're used to it you, your body gets used your, your mind <laughs> hey, gets used to something pretty quick can you ever be used but to playing in front of fifty-five thousand people uh in scotland yeah i guess you, was, you could incredible yeah. jermaine defoe playing up top it was and i was like wow like now i'm suddenly here you know, and so that was that was it was it was such a big transition from where I'd been to to then. But then you get used to it with time. But like you said, you need to be exposed to experience, and that's a kind of like a chicken and the egg. Where do you start? Well, you need experience to develop, but then you also need to be good enough to get those experiences. And so it, it's a it's a tight balancing act at that. Yeah. Uh, playing in front of fifty five thousand people against Rangers, I don't think I would have adapted that well. I think I would just. <laughs> That game was fun for two minutes, and yeah. then I realized we're not going to touch the ball here. And they scored pretty early, and I said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but it was an experience, and and I got you know that's another part of my my inventory. And now I've I've done that, and I'm used to that almost in a way. Was Steven Gerrard the manager at that time? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. so you had that yeah. also, and Jermaine yeah. Defoe on on yeah. Yeah, that's that fun. was yeah, that was absurd. I was so out because his movements unreal. So I was thinking, oh. Like I need, I was so paranoid about his movement because I knew his move was so good. He was always trying to go get in around you, and I was like trying to hold him, and I was trying. It was it's it's tough, but I'm a better player for it, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm I can't stop thinking about 
the game in 2013 at Kadetangen, just outside of Oslo, where uh, you know I, I'd seen it before, but you know the the transition from being a young junior and a good age group in Bærum to all these different steps that we've been talking about, it's quite incredible to to to, to for you talking about this journey and how you've how you've grown up uh and, and but you've grown up but you're still exploring i mean now you you're you're still in scotland you're not with hamilton any longer you you, you made a move to um to another club just outside of, of glasgow in greenock morton um and you're still just living that living life i love that yeah, <laughs> yeah i guess you i guess i am and listen when you get older you get more selective in terms of opportunities i came back i I extended my contract by one year at Hamilton. I came back, came back really strong, I felt, and I got the chance in the second league game. Um, and then certain things developed where I didn't agree with the decisions being made. And I felt, I felt like they were unfair <laughs> at that. Um, and so I said, you know, I, 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 I don't know how long my career is going to be, so I need to play. I need exposure. I, that's what I want to look at. I'm, I'm not trying to get super rich of football but I'm certainly trying to make the most of my experience and develop into the best player I can be. And so I made the move and it was, you know, I went down to the Scottish championship, but which is by the way, the craziest league in the world because it's 10 teams and it's so tight and everyone beats everyone. It's it's. And if you look at the league table, you'll understand what I mean. Um, but I, I needed to, to get that exposure and I was signed by a coach who I got very much along with and he gave me opportunities um, he unfortunately resigned, but uh, but still, I was able to give that get that experience, and now I have I f- like I have a lot of games under my belt in the Scottish Championship, and I notice with every game you're getting more confident. It's it, you're all you're a result of your experiences, and that's what I'm getting at now. And I feel like I'm growing into the player I know I can become, and that's my primary motivation. Is when I look back in my career, how um, how how did I did I do everything I could? Did I become as good as I possibly could? Because the last thing I want to do is look back regrets and say, oh, you should stay because you would have maybe maybe become a better player. But I think I will know I'll know myself. I'll set I'll, I'll I'll notice a sense of fulfillment. I think when I say, oh, you know what, this is how far I've gone. Because as I get older, I need to be more selective. I don't I I can confidently say it. I don't think I'll play until I'm 35. Because fortunately enough, I can I, I can do other stuff if I want to. And mm-hmm. that time will come where I'm like, okay, you know what? I've had a, such a good ride with football. Now I want to do other stuff. But I don't think I'm quite ready for that yet. But I, And I always say, and it drives my, my girlfriend kind of mad at times too, I said, just one more year. Just one more year. So it's hard to <laughs> you're say. You're starting on the know. one more year at, at age 27. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, it seemed like you're, yeah. you're 35 at that point. But that, no. Exactly. Marcus, I, I'm... This inspires me. And I think it'll inspire a lot of people. And you, you're just gone for it, and and you have an amazing degree and life experience that anyone, you know, when you get into when you're done as a professional player, I mean, anyone would be very lucky to to, to get your thoughts and mindset into their into their working environment. So, but I, I really appreciate words. for you taking the time and and sharing your story with us and 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 the listeners and. Uh, yeah, certainly made the most out of uh, out of your your football and and also your academics uh, to this point. So thank you very much oh, it's, for. It's been for a pleasure. By. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys, and I think it's uh, it's, it's really great what you're doing. And um, yeah, listen, I think I would I would implore everyone who 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 consider the college experience to do so because 
um, it's it's it, it grow it develops you as as a person as a player as a student and I I, I think it's fantastic so keep up keep up the good work very good Marcus thank you so much good thank luck you. for the rest of the season appreciate that thanks.